0: real hustle podcast hosted by yours truly chris kiblin real hustle real people real results you can help support our podcast by checking out our real hustle gear we have t-shirts hoodies tank tops hats and more the real hustle gear is great for the gym or even a night out on the town let everyone know that you are a real hustler willing to do whatever it takes to get the job done. You can check us out right now at realhustle.com, and right now we're offering all of our listeners 10% off when you use the promo code PODCAST at checkout. Once again, that is PODCAST to receive 10% off your entire order, realhustle.com. What's up, everybody? Chris Kiblin here over at the Real Hustle Podcast, and today we have a very special guest in the house, comedian Carmen Cerisillo. Cerisillo, <laughs> I know I'm terrible at names, but like, all it's right. It's
1: Carmen Cerisillo, but who cares? All
0: right. How you doing today?
1: Good, just waking up to the, a new day of thinking about coming here and how to how to I've been playing hard instead of working hard okay in the last couple of nights and this is the first night I've woke up or first day I woke up well, like okay good I can go back to the gym I'm fine without getting sick
0: so you're a comedian you've been doing this for quite some time and you're local here to Sarasota right I've been here 30 years, 30 years. so
1: but I've been in and out you know okay. so what I've been trying to do is um, since day one is find a home, and Sarasota has been my home. Okay, you know this is kind you of, of place. grew up here or Cleveland, Ohio.
0: Cleveland, Ohio. So, what brought you here?
1: Well, my mom had a place down here. Okay, and she was coming down for vacations, and we were living in L.A. And I was like, "God, this place is amazing." Price wise, oh, people wise, yeah. right? And I was doing McCurdy since 1988, so I've been doing stand up in Florida since 80s or late 80s. So I just decided, eh, let's bring the family. Because I'd leave. Yeah. We're, you know, I don't want to keep leaving them in Los Angeles. The riots were going on. It's expensive. I needed this. Relaxed. Look at quiet, this. I mean, this quiet. place that we found here, I, this new place I found with you, <laughs>
0: it's like eight minutes from my house. It's a dream. <laughs> That's awesome. So let's kind of backtrack a little bit. Because one of the things that I like to do with our podcast is I, I like to hear everybody's story. Yeah. Okay so what got you into comedy like if we backtrack when did you know this is what you wanted to do
1: well i you know i just i think i was going to be a lawyer i was working with my family in construction and then my dad was like you know what you're going to college you're going to be a lawyer and then he ended up dying when i was 14. and then kind of the floodgates opened up. I was like, I could do whatever I want, right? I don't, mm-hmm. I'm not being forced <laughs> to read from the congressional record no more. Because he was like this strict, you know, you're going to court with me for summer vacation. I knew all the bailiffs and the judges. I wore a little suit. Was he, at a, was he an attorney too? Yeah. Oh, okay. He became an attorney, but he hated it. <laughs> Why would he do that to me? All right. And he had a pizza place on the side. You know, he was trying to do all these things. You talk about hustle. I mean, he was a hustler. If he was alive today, he would have been like this nouveau... Kind of man, you know, he broke away from everything. He was a vegetarian when no one was a vegetarian. Then he became the Atkins meat guy when no one was doing keto. Like he followed all the trends. Okay. But unfortunately, he got in his own way Mm -hmm. and he ended up getting shot. Oh, yeah. Right. And so then after that whole thing, (laughs) (laughs) I know I threw that in there. He ended up getting shot. Obviously, there was more to the story, but that kind of was a whole different game for me. Once he got. Once he died, I was like, you know, life's not that serious. You got to have some fun. Mm -hmm. And I started looking into stand-up, Steve Martin, watching Eddie Murphy. I started doing the MC at my college. I was the guy that would bring in all the comics, uh, like Tom Arnold and people like that, and kind of ran across like the up-and-coming people. And after a while, I was like, you know what? Maybe you can make some money doing this. Why do I have to go to law school why do i have to be anybody except a stand-up comic and that's the exact path i took i was doing construction during the day in cleveland comedy at night until 1990 and then left for los angeles and uh, never looked back
0: so is that why they call you the construction comedian?
1: yeah i mean i kind of you know how everything's a niche right now right you know if you're an influencer you're special on instagram because you understand shoes right pick a niche So I did that in 1991. And consciously, I decided there was too many guys in the field. There were so many comics. There's tons of them. Too many. How do you get a job? All right. Right? And the jobs were bad, by
0: the way. The jobs don't pay nothing. Comedy is you are going to suffer in so many ways. I was having that same conversation with Tim, and we were talking about that, and he was like, oh, you know, he finally got his break, and he was like, oh, we'll pay you this. And I think it was something like... $15 Fifteen dollars for fifteen minutes or something yeah. like that. It's, it's nothing. And money. he's like, he, and he's like, oh, great, I could do this. He's like, then, I, then, he, then it hit him. He's like, okay, I can't work forty hours a week in comedy. <laughs> no, so. no. I mean, there's no.
1: You don't do it for money. You do it for the pat on the back after the show, for you know the fun stuff like this and the, the meeting of people and all the great things that you're trying to get when you have a corporate job, right? So you work in a corporation. I'm sorry that you do. By the way, <laughs>
0: it's all and, good. Pay bills. <laughs> no, not you. I wasn't talking about you. I'm talking about the world.
1: Right, the whole world. Even my children. You know, you fall into that corporate mentality. I'm self-employed always. Right. Ever since I was a kid, even with construction, even with door-to-door sales as a eight-year-old, I was a hustler. Perfect for this podcast. I can talk from ground zero days because we were broke. How do you make money? You knock on people's doors and ask for it. Exactly. And that's how I did it. And they rarely turn me away. Amazingly, I was successful in making money very young. and uh, knew that if I hustled enough in comedy, how do I get gigs where no one else is getting the gig? So I started making those brochures, right? So I had brochures, I had videos, I had everything. Which and I would sell this
0: one here or
1: that one that you're looking at right now is the the construction comic one is an old one. Uh, the cards, anything. You know, it doesn't matter what it is. Mm-hmm. You just, you don't send 10. You send 10,000. Yeah. And then you figure out what your break even. So pretty much I was handling it like any other business. And if I, if I sent 15 videos a day, which I did, VCR videos, VHS. Back in the day. With a box. I remember beta. <laughs> yeah. Yeah boxes of those standing in line at the post office, not knowing what I was going to get, but all of a sudden I was getting gigs. And it was not $15. It was $500 a show back in 1992. And I'm like, oh, this is the path. This you is You were doing way it like go. a sales
0: job, though. I mean, you with your flyers and your Hustle. turn. I mean, that's the thing. That's like how salespeople do it, right?
1: Yeah. I met a comic that was doing, you know, I didn't know nothing about sales. I still am not a good salesman. It's bad to sell yourself. You know, that's why agents exist. You want someone to talk on your behalf or else you're, it's kind of like all ego, all bragging. And well, how am I, I going to sell me?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I got to talk about me. Exactly. <laughs> and at some point, you know, you can't let go. It, to be objective about yourself and try to sell yourself, it's a weird thing. I could sell an iPhone or a bottle of water easier. But to sell me, there's no bad story about me. I'm going to sell all the great things about me, 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 me. And it sounds ridiculous at some point. so you try to figure out, well, how could I do it at least third party right. without hiring a third party? So brochures, um, cards, now videos, now the online thing. Mm-hmm. Online, forget it. If you put enough videos out there, you'll get calls. Not even soliciting anybody. Because today, if you call somebody you're intrusive and rude and spammy, and it's against the law, I'm like, oh my God. I was on the phone all day. I'd get up at 7 a.m. and start looking through a magazine called Builder, Builder Magazine, because I was doing the construction thing. Right. And amazingly, I knew that if I kept hustling that way, if I kept calling those numbers, I'd get something big, and I got something big in 1997. Super big. I hit the mother vein of a guy who was booking all of these trade shows, and you know, almost blew it because I'm impatient too. You know, you're waiting and waiting and waiting, and the guy doesn't. And I'm broke, <laughs> right? Money. I got two kids. <laughs> I got a wife that's crying. We're about to. We're about. To, I'm about to get a real job in 1997, and that's ten years into comedy. By the way, ten years of pain. Wow, of suffering. Being an animal. And all my other friends are wearing suits and trying to take me out to the steakhouses. I'm like, get the hell out of here, man. You can't do this. Driving brand new cars. So what happened was I pretty much hit this guy. He got me hooked up with a big company called Wilson Art. And Wilson Art is unknown. Wilson Art is Formica. You know, it's just, they, they'll kill you if they if they heard you say that. But it's the same thing. It's a laminate countertop. Okay. And those guys love me. And for 10 years, I worked for them. And they got me all kinds of great gigs. And because of a gig that I had with them, I I got seen for Discovery Channel. And because of Discovery Channel, I got NASCAR and just kept just ballooning. That's awesome. And then in in the meantime, all the other irons I had in the fire started calling me. All the gigs were calling me. All the VCR tapes were working. All the stand-up was now kicking in. I mean, it just was this rush. I was auditioning for Sopranos. I was in New York. I was uh, going back to L.A. for big shows. Um, And then I started doing commercials. I got my SAG card. It was just all this happened. And then I got tired. I got sick of the road. And we ended up looking at another route which was the construction comedy school which that was 2004 seven years later i got something that was even bigger than all the other things and better for my family better for money better for my brain and we built this school that i've had now for 25 years
0: so tell us a little about this school
1: in florida you have to have a license to be a contractor okay right so you have to go and take classes that are really boring. Safety, workers, comp, building code, right? So an engineering firm came to me and said, You yeah, know, we'd like you to teach. I said. Right. So I tried it one day. I'm like, Hell no. It's 14 hours. Fourteen hours. It's two days, seven hour days. And after ten minutes, I mean they're just staring at you. Right. Hard. Like, when do we get out? Are we done yet? Yeah. And I'm like, no, it's you know, it's 9 a.m. We got till 3.30. 30. It's tough. And I was like, used to doing stand-up. But I knew a lot about construction. You know, I had a college degree in business. I had I had all the qualifications and I had the ability to make this stuff funny. So we did. I ended up taking all the material, turning it around. And we started building this school with this engineering firm, and uh, they won Small Business of the Year. They had more students. They were giving me a bonus, and then my wife's like, "Let's do this on our own. We we now need to move to the next step." And that was 2004. So we probably have seen, you know, I'm going to say, I don't know. We, we we're doing 5,000 students. Five to ten thousand students every two years. Wow! And I have an online school now, so it's it's really. A, so I was going to ask you—is it online? Is
0: it like so? I like the live stuff.
1: I like to show up, have the guys beat on me. Right. You know, because they torment you. They're all old school.
0: <laughs> yeah. Probably keeps it more entertaining. Right. So that's the whole point of, the, of why you did it this way. You know, I I just I'm a live person. I, I'd rather
1: perform in a in, for a crowd. Right. There's no feedback online. There's no laughter. You know, I like to hear if I'm doing well all the time because that is probably where I came from, looking for that pat on the back. A comic is looking for that, um, did I do a good job, right? And then when people laugh, you can tell almost immediately, the immediate response is, oh, you're funny. That's good. If you're dying, then you know it also. So live, you know what, you could see it in their eyes, right? You could see, are they paying attention to what you're doing? Are they happy with what you're doing? And uh, ended up just doing that in fact someone came to me when live just came out or when the online stuff just came out wanted to <clears throat> partner with me and i turned it down which i could have been in the forefront of it but i still started it in 2005 so it wasn't too 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 late into the game right 2005 it was still people didn't know what online stuff was no no
0: and now, I, now i've had a school so semester. much is, so much is online mm-hmm. you know but um you know but no i i like the live stuff better too i mean i'd like to be live in person it's just i don't know i like being in front of the crowd or whatever it is or listening to somebody yeah. because it's just it's first of all it's more entertaining i don't know and so but you know with covid coming of course i changed a lot of things you know fuck covid i'm so sick of hearing about covid <laughs> i'm well, we're not hearing about it anymore. <laughs> so. No, I, I was sick in March of 2020.
1: <laughs> so <laughs> I think everybody blew that shit out of proportion, and you know, to this day, I'm still aggravated with the the sheep in the world that fell for this crap, and it killed the world. And now they're going to push the the war. They're going to push, you know, they're going to push safety again. This is all about safety. I teach safety, and I saw it coming with the safety first bullshit there's no such thing as safety first. I don't care who you talk to as far as the intellectual people or scientists or Maslow, the psychiatrists, they all said on the hierarchy of needs, safety was second. Air, water, sleep, reproduction, shelter, that's first. Right. I will risk my life to reproduce. I will risk my life to drink a glass of water. So safety was always second, but they kept saying, oh, safety first, and this is where we're at. Even Anheuser-Busch is a bunch of liars. You remember when Anheuser-Busch was coming out with, drink responsibly? (laughs) Really, Anheuser-Busch? Is that why you make a suitcase full of beer? (laughs) Is that drinking responsibly? Do you really care about how much I drink? I always said, if if they didn't want us to drink and drive, why do bars have parking lots? Good point. (laughs) Because they're liars. It's all hypocritical bullcrap that comics will look at we make fun of it and we show you and hopefully people understand that a lot of this stuff is for the purposes
0: of power and making money it's all about money it's all about cash it's all about how much money you put in the pocket
1: you know and the way i talk of course i don't get booked because of the way i'm talking Mm -hmm. i will lose gigs because I am not, I've never been the guy that's going to kiss somebody's ass. I don't care about kissing your ass. I don't care about if I'm successful. I'll live in a trailer. I came from the trailer. I'll will f- just go out and, and, go to, and work flea markets. I don't care what I got to do as long as I'm healthy, number one. Okay, so if there's a virus out there and I really believe there's a virus, and then, yes, of course, I had COVID. What? You're going to shove it down everybody's throat 24-7
0: and ruin the world? And they did. They ruined the world. It's definitely changed things and it's definitely like now, now we're not hearing anything about it because now we're hearing about the war and that's, you know, it's now it's gone and nobody cares about it anymore, right? <laughs>
1: Trust me, I've gone through every flow chart possible and, you know, there's comics out there that lost their, their cool. I didn't lose my cool on stage. But with this kind of stuff, when you're coming into a construction school and OSHA's been beating on these guys for years, I always realized government overreach is the worst thing. You know, we live in America. This is supposed to be a land of freedom. And once we start letting people take things, you know, why would you
0: do that? Why the hell would you agree to let somebody take something from you? It's beyond me. And that's the thing. It's like, so I'm actually a veteran. So I was, I served in the army and like, that's the thing is like my family, a lot of my family served in the army and went to war. I didn't actually go to war, but a lot of my family did. And like for our freedom and for to have that freedom, absolutely, you know, and that's the thing that really kind of bothers me is like, look, we live in the best country in the world. Don't be taking stuff away from us and, and taking, you know, that's our freedom, and you know, and and I, I have a real hard time with it, and I don't really get too much into it, just because I really don't want to get into the politics part of it. But like, I've really stayed out of that whole game for they the most part. They dragged you into but the politics did. of they it. They did. They did. Okay, the last so you couple were years, in the military. You have no and, choice. And, and, and like, and I've really like the last few years, it's been worse than it. I've ever been in it. And I mean, I'll be fifty this year, huh? and I've never been this involved or wanted to be this involved into it until now. And I'm like, this is crazy. Which is good that we now have a little prod on
1: our ass to kind of make us say a little more, get more involved. But, you know, what they've done is they've weakened the military. And you see what happens when the military gets weak, right? I don't know who's running it. I don't know what they're making these guys do. I'm not involved. All I know is that they talked about emotions and safety and kindness and flowers, and peace. Well, there's, an, there's a fucking asshole out there. And you're going to tell me that we are going to fight this guy with love and peace and kindness? He's laughing. He's laughing. He's watching the whole country over here, which is not moving very quickly right now, to go handle the shit that's out there. Let's not get into a war, but right. let's start pumping the oil again. <laughs> Okay, that's
0: that's just Let's beyond me. I was like, I'm sitting there. I'm like, okay, we're still buying gas from this guy and like just giving them like ten million dollars a day in gas.
1: I love Tesla.
0: I know. Okay, <laughs> I love electric. I love it. Yeah. But we're not there. No, we're not there. I would love
1: to be 5'8 eight. I'm five six. It ain't changing. <laughs> so I got to buy pants that fit. <laughs> right. I go keep buying those big long pants because I'm hoping one day to fit into them. All I'm doing is stepping. I'm, I'm tripping over my own self, and that's what we're doing here. The country's tripping over itself, trying to please a very small sect of people who know they're wrong. But they're getting a lot of attention. Ooh. You're going to give that up for the whole sake of the country? Oh, you're evil then. You're going to let the whole country fall because you want attention. And you know you're doing the wrong thing. You can't just shut shit
0: down. And that's what they've done. All right, all right let's get back to our comedian stuff <laughs> so all right so got into it and so i know you've been around for quite some time and you've built this up and you just actually just um performed at mccurdy's right yeah and so that was what this past, was that two, two past, weeks ago two weeks ago yeah so and that was what for three days yeah mccurdy's is thursday through sunday now three it
1: used days. to be monday through sunday okay but now comedy clubs have shut it down at least for one act you know they'll do the, the bingo or the singing or the whatever they can to fill the room right? but comedy live performing is now pretty much maybe a wednesday through sunday type of thing two shows on a friday two shows on a saturday so we still had packed crowds at 300 people each show
0: so let's ask you this because like one of the things i've always been curious so what's one of your what's your best joke no, I don't really. Do I, there's that? no way no? that I could pull that out. <laughs> and then you
1: might not laugh at it, and then I'll get hurt. You want my feelings to come out? <laughs> okay, so maybe that's not the right question. What, what do I really what, think? What do you talk my about? angle, or yeah, my best, a, my, a, the I, idea of how I present, really, because I don't really do jokes. You right. know, I don't do jokes. I used to think in those terms of straight more storytelling, or yeah. yeah, I mean, I'll get on stage and and, and craft it in a way that it makes sense. And uh, I don't know what people want anymore. If I talk about my wife, and she's cool with it, some people will go, wow, that was really personal. That was really in-depth. Yeah. That's what I do. (laughs) That's what I do. I talk about, yeah, my wife, you know, every guy that hits, you're 50, you know. I don't know if you're married or what, but when you're 30 years into a marriage, 20 years into a marriage, sex, years. Sex. (laughs) kind of declines a little bit. And, you know, the way that I viewed it was it can't decline. The reason marriages break up is because there is that disconnect between the partners. There's nothing better than me and her. The kids aren't better. The house is not better. The job is not better. Nothing is better than me and her. Because without me and her, nothing exists. It will all collapse. So you make sure that me and you are good. So she knows that. And... There was a time when, you know, she's working, hustling, children, sex declines. Well, sex is important for guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is the thing on the brain. And I, I also believe that if you start consciously ignoring that, I, I do a bit about losing your testosterone and how you can do it. You sing happy birthday to three-year-olds and you clap your hands like a little happy boy for children. I know you're a dad. Okay, and maybe for your child you'll crack that up, but if you're a guy, no guy wants to stand around and clap "Happy Birthday." We don't believe what we're saying. We don't. We're. We don't. We're just doing it to please a group of people, mostly women, that are doing this. So, I don't want to lose my tea. I want to stay as strong as I can until whatever, until I can't. Um, don't take my my tea from me, which I tell her all the Don't take my fucking tea. <laughs> And making me, I know how to drive. I know, you know, all the typical bullshit that right. that you go through in a marriage. So, what can I pull out that's funny? And I talk about how she treats sex, and I say my dick basically. When I, I, I have a, someone's told me a couple of clubs have told me, yeah, you should tone it down. I don't know. I can be super clean for the construction stuff, and I do a lot of corporate stuff, and there's no dick talk. <laughs> So when I get on stage, then I overdick it. I'm gonna overdick it tonight. Cause I need to let loose. Right. And you're not paying me shit, by the way. So this is why I'm doing your show. So I can do what I want. So she treats my dick like it's the dishes. That's it. That's the premise. It's just another chore. <laughs> you know, that's what I gotta hear. I got so much shit to do. I don't got time for your dick. Right. And it's basically just a it's a boiling down, it's a filtering down. Of I don't have time for sex. I don't have time for love making. That's not what we're thinking about. Guys are going, the dick, (laughs) right? So I mean, it's a great bit, but guys are even nervous in the crowd. I was wondering how the guys. The women are laughing, right? And if I get the women to laugh at it by being cute and smiley, and my wife just smile when you're doing it. Just be cute. Don't get angry, right? And that's true. You know, you don't want to be angry. And I'm not angry. I'm trying to emphasize. You know, there's there's a list, dinner, dishes, dick. And, you know, then I go, there's no way the dick is number three. So I, I go to this whole, that is very true. And then people will come up and she, my wife's there every show, every, I'm not talking about every other show. She's there every, every show. That's awesome. show. She's sitting in the back. She enjoys the show. And she will get all these questions and I'll say, look, it's not about, the entire time together it's my amplification of a moment where she didn't want to have sex that's all this is comedy is not about all the great things that happen and all the things that work it's about all the shit that doesn't work and the divorces and i don't have a divorce what i have is my mind blowing things out of proportion that you know are not that bad but i got to create right. right make it the hyperbole better, right. somehow the right life, right so i bring that into it you know, and I've done it in multiple ways. So I talk about us and you know that that actually is the killer bit if it goes well. I could do the construction jokes. I can talk about you know my uncle being uh, accused that his construction company was some type of a legal front for mob activity because we were Italian. he didn't like hearing that, so he had him killed. <laughs> you know, I have all that. I have all the Italian stuff I have all the The guy being late on the job and drinking beer, and the millennials with the man buns not wanting to—I have all that. I have all that. But my favorite stuff is really the personal stuff.
0: It seems like personal stuff seems like it comes off better, right? Or people get can relate more to it.
1: Yep. I mean, if you're you're talking to a guy that, and I don't want to seem like this is—it's just—it's the truth. Is I don't really care if the crowd likes it too much. I know a lot of comics do right super care, and I think that's a problem. I think when the comic is pleasing the crowd he's not he's not an artist anymore he's an entertainer. I can entertain you by doing exactly what, I know exactly what you want and I can do it or I can be an artist and take a chance I lose everybody in the room and feel way better about
0: myself <laughs> I feel way better about myself when I do. <laughs> something I want to do. It's hard, I think, for a lot of people, and even in my business, even in the mortgage business or however you're doing business, is that you're always, in some ways, you're kind of like, at least the way I think of it is like, I always want to make everybody happy or try to make everybody please everyone. It isn't until you get to a certain point in your life, and and I've gotten to this point now in my life where I'm going to do it for me, and I don't care what anybody else thinks. Yeah. I don't care what you think of it. If you don't like it, then we're not meant to be friends. If you don't like it, then don't listen. Like the podcast, you don't like it? I don't care. Just don't listen. You know. And so like, it's like, but it's my thing. And so like, but I think we do, assuming people are trying to, worry about what other people think that they won't allow themselves to think and you then you're not yourself anymore and i was like and i and i've been through that process i've been through that process when i was dealing with when i first got into the mortgage business because i was so worried about what my realtors thought of me so worried about what other people thought of me and then i was just like why Mm -hmm. i was like once i started becoming myself then i got more respect and then people started relating to me more yeah nobody wants to hang out with the mean the middle the, you know, the
1: average. What, do, what I want is, is someone that has got a side to him. I don't care if sometimes you're a dick. I don't care. Because I don't judge you by that one moment or two moments or three moments that, you know, everybody wants to cancel someone on a mistake that they made 10 years, 15 years ago or today. Mm-hmm. But one mistake. But 99.99% of the time, this guy was golden. Mm-hmm. And now you want this guy to grovel. And I know who I don't like now. It's that person who's trying to make this person grovel. I don't like those people. I don't hide that shit, but they're in control. You know why they're in control? is because they lied the entire time on the way up. They got into a business. They created a company. They, I think lawyers added to it also, or the lawyers have figured out, well, how do we make more money? What can we sue for? What did you do wrong? Can we create a term for this? Is this, if, is this could this possibly be um, you know, some type of violation? And the lawyers ruined everybody. The absolute suing of each human, friends, family, for your own benefit. Again, you're not looking at the big picture. What you're looking at is your tiny little world. Yeah, you got a bunch of money, everyone hates you.
0: <laughs> What's the point?
1: And that's, I I see a lot of attorneys doing that, you know, and the signs for attracting the personal, personally injured, those people out there who are trying to go after people who may not have ever filed a lawsuit against someone else. So now everyone's so careful that you can't be the guy you're talking about. Because if you are, you might risk saying something and in your business, you might Not if you're self employed, okay, so you take the consequences of your mortgage broking business. But if you work for another mortgage broker and you don't represent them the way they want to be represented, then you're risking being fired. Mm -hmm. So, do you care? Drive something cheaper, don't live in such a nice house, don't get used to going to Connor Steakhouse. That's your sacrifice. You know, I can do all those things, by the way. I've actually pulled through for those people who think that they can't live the life they want to live and say what they want because they're afraid that they're not going to be successful.
0: I did all of it.
1: I'm fine. I'm only dependent on some of the investments I have. You know, so that I'm dependent on people, but I'm not dependent on how to make how to eat right now. I'm not dependent on how to live right now. I came from such a small, poor family. You know, when I say small, I mean broke, small money. There's mm-hmm. a big family, no money. And I think that's what we're, we're missing with people today. They get very, very caught up in, oh, everything's great. And that's the risk, right? Losing all those things. Will you risk by opening your mouth, saying something that you believe, like I do all the time, and then what? I lost a big gig in L.A. last year big gig, nine months of work mm. because I wouldn't do what they wanted me to do. And I should have known. I should have known. I mean, I had I kept telling my wife, I go, I can't believe I'm still working here. <laughs> I don't say it as a brag. I really don't. I say it as like a warning and a, a hopefully people will listen. I mean, I'm. I'm not even happy that this occurs. I just, I think that if you really want to make it, you know, I don't care if it's comedy. Look, I'm not Hundred percent funny. You don't. You shouldn't be hundred percent funny. You're going to lose your mind. Comics who. If you think a comic is a guy that's always busting balls or having fun or doing a pratfall or joke, comics are crying behind the scenes. If you see the, the face of comedy and tragedy, that's comedy. Comics are the sad clowns mostly. Mostly, you know, like my buddy Tim that you just mm-hmm. mentioned, yeah. Tim Wilkins, comic, is not that guy either he's a happy dude he's got a lot of shit going on beyond comedy most
0: comics don't we talk about that all the time i had that conversation with tim when he was on this podcast (laughs) (laughs) so we actually had that conversation right because he got into the whole um working out and doing the shows and he was able to add the um you know doing the um doing his thing with he emceeing the the, um bodybuilding shows and he's been on he does the olympia and stuff like that and he was like i was able to bring him what i love to do with bodybuilding and make it one and that was the thing he's like you know so that's where he kind of went off where yeah. he got you know where he started having his success so we had that conversation too
1: and that's we grew up together in comedy pretty much in la and said so what you know what do you really want at the end and it was kind of the same thing family mm-hmm nice place to live, house, right? A car or two. You know, you want those things. Even if you were super successful in comedy, you want the same thing. You want the same thing. I think
0: that's what most people want, you know? But like it's, but I think it's hard to find when you're trying to make it a career. Like, You know even in my world in the mortgage world or real estate world or your world there's the thing like i mean even with me doing podcasts, right i don't get make any money from this this is all out of my own pocket but a lot of people don't want to make those sacrifices and to find out what they love to do and they don't want to be like oh well i got to be broke or poor because it takes time to build i mean it's kind of fun being broke I tell you what, it changed me. Like it's kind of when I came in, in down some here ways. in 2014, and we and I had just gotten back into the mortgage business down here. It takes time to build. It takes time to get those people to trust you with their business. What's and the scariest thing for you if you were broke? The scariest thing, having a, probably having a roof over my head and not being able to feed my family. You have children. But yeah, but he's grown. Yeah. Right, that's what so, I'm saying. I mean, I'm talking so, yeah. about now. Now, now I mean, no, yeah, when, now? It, when the kids are little. Oh yeah, it was so now. I mean, really, just see, the we mortgage. don't even we don't
1: even know what the hell. Yeah, I it, mean, it would be. Why? So, Who cares about being broke, right? So, it's, health I mean, is more important. You know, if you're healthy, yeah, right, you could survive and you could figure out how to make the money and find a place. Would you live in a? If you were broke, would you go find like a? A underpass or a cave, or would you? No, I've got fun. You, how to make money and then did get you a figure living? Out, right. you get it out. You figure it isn't out. Is that the fun of life? Yeah. The, the 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 puzzle of it all, I think, is the fun stuff. How do I get oh, you know? And when you start losing your ability, which is maybe your testosterone, <laughs> to figure out the puzzle, if you get too comfortable, I mean, I don't know how many relatives you have. I mean, but I see the older men falling into the Barco lounger. Oh, I'm not going. It's I, I, You know, I don't stay up past eight, Carmen. Yeah. Uh, we're watching the show tonight, so we can't go see your show. Or, you know, whatever it is, That's it's kind of like I watched the progression of one of my relatives. You know, and all of them actually, but one of them was getting sick and I could see, you know, it wasn't her fault, but as, as soon as you lose your ability to walk and you got a cane and then you know the next one is the wheelchair and then you know the next one is the bed, you're just, you're going back to horizontal, right? You're going back. I mean, do I fight this? People don't fight. No. I mean, I could, every day I could get up and do nothing. I mean, that's where I was, my DNA, I come from that. Just lay on the floor. We're all laying on the floor. Why are you trying to stand up? They're holding you down. You know, why are you eating so good? We're a bread family. We eat bread in this family. I go, I can't. I mean, I love bread. All right. I love it. <laughs> I love sweets, but, you know. <laughs> I, I mean, bread was there more than my daddy. Of course I love bread. But. Yeah, it's big Italian, right? But <laughs> the more bread I eat, the slower and sloggier. It's weird. It's very strange how that happens. I could
0: give in. Do I fight every day? You, I guess you got no choice. You don't have a choice. Like, so we get up. So, like, the way that I actually met Tim was because my wife is, she competes in bodybuilding. Yeah. And that's how I met Tim. And so, like, we work out. Like, I don't work out like she does. She's a four-hour-a-day worker working out. But, yeah. like, I work out for about hour and a half, two hours a day. And we eat super clean. Um, but, you know, at the reverse of that, both of us saw our families, like, not taking care of themselves. Yeah. And, you know, we were like, we don't want to be like that. No, and
1: it's a weird thing, you know, it's like I I I just I can eat this stuff so easily and I started doing self imposed discipline on myself. Yeah. Got <laughs> you know, to. You know, it's not like no one was no one after eighteen is in your life telling you, especially when my dad's not there, trying to tell you to do better. They don't care how you do, right? No one cares. First of all, again, it was bring back to safety. No one cares if you're safe. No one cares about you. And they don't care what you eat. And look at all the crap they put out there, right? But so I started doing my own self-imposed discipline, including comedy. Comedy was doing really well. How do I make it harder on myself? Well, you write new material. That's a discipline. That is a pain, okay? And then I moved to, I had an apartment in New York City a couple of years ago, right before COVID. Kills you to go to New York compared to this area. It is subways and violence and crime and masses of people and nasty weather and old buildings and tubs with rust. A little right? different I don't than care.
0: here. <laughs> huh? A little different than here. Anyways, there's no palm tree. <laughs> no. <laughs> you
1: walk walking to the gym, it's 19 degrees. You sweat and then you walk out of the gym Freezing. sweaty because yep. you're not showering, nobody, no border for some reason. <laughs> but you know what? It helped me. It made me better. It made me more interested in life. It's a puzzle. How do I do this whole New York thing? And I had the house in Sarasota still. How do I combine it all, right? So we're Ubering and flying and it's a lot of hustle. And things were looking up and then COVID knocked it all out. So I I probably lost 50 grand, right? In one year with just rent, just rent, right? Mm. Just rent and... The cable and the buying of furniture. We set it up. I was. Set, you ever play craps? Yeah, I play craps. Okay. You got all the numbers covered, right? You got your nines and your fives, and they're still rolling numbers. You go, fuck it, give me four and an eight, right? You go, Damn it. Okay, I'll play the field. I got everything. And you know at some point a seven's coming. So do you have the instinct? Do you take it all down? Or do you go, I've made enough. Look at that. Look at that. Nice little sleeve of $25, not me, $5. (laughs) (laughs) Let's be honest, $5, right? Do I, it's all profit out there. Or do I pull it back, right? And that's where I was. I had laid it all out. I had all the apartment. I had the the second car. I had the dog kennel figured out. I had cable. I had all of it. I I had my own comedy night. And then someone rolled a seven. And it went down. Now, what's a good crap player do? What's a great crap player do? You don't quit. Yeah. Double up. Double <laughs> down. <damn>. Double back. <laughs> you come back. Now, I'm not saying crap is the game that I usually right. equate with what right. I'm talking about, but it's similar. It's simple. Yeah, I take another chance. It's another puzzle piece. Here we go again. Now, what do we do? I'm two years older. Do I impose some more discipline by myself? Do make it hard again? I mean, cause my life's pretty easy. Do I do keto? Do I do a Wim Hof thing? Do I get in the shower when it's cold? <laughs> do I force myself into that cold shower? People don't do this. People want stretch pants. <laughs> I don't they want bl- easy. I don't blame easy. you for wanting stretch pants. Right? Because stretch pants doesn't make you feel any different nope. until you start actually looking. No, here's when you feel different when someone goes, you you got a corporate gig and you got to put your suit back on.
0: That is motivation. (laughs) Then you're like, oh my God, this thing's tight.
1: And you're on a plane. (laughs) Right? And you, when you start taking that all out of your life, that's why guys die when they retire. No more pressure. No more discipline. No more pushing themselves. They let it all go. And all of a sudden, there's nothing to fight. And they don't realize men must fight. Maslow, again, I got hooked on this guy because of construction school, but the hierarchy of needs basically says what you must do, what we all know we must do to survive, how to move up this pyramid, and at the top is self-actualization, to be the best you can be. After doing everything else, after, making, after finding all the safety, all the love, all the self-esteem, all the job security, all the charitable, now what? Well, it's the existential reality, the anxiety of why am I here? So what does that top pyramid mean to you? All right? Will it mean me mentoring my own children? Will I go beyond that? Will I try to help other people? Will I try to you know take more events that I could actually help with comedy, which I do. I mean, me and Tim have been doing that for years. We used to do it for the schools here. We did all of the events. And never turn one down for the police, for the fire departments, everybody who ever asked me to do a show, we always did that. Is that enough? You know, at what point? And you know, the problem is you're only human. There is no other spot mm-hmm. at the top of that pyramid, right? So, trying to figure all that out, trying to trying to, maybe you need to go backwards. You know, it's maybe you need to put discipline upon yourself. The best you can be is not being overweight and sluggish and depressed and on pills. Maybe you have to step back now and say, I'm going to have to actually put more stress on myself on purpose, not make my life easier. The word relax is sold everywhere. If you go into any bed, bath and beyond, it's, it's in every sign. It's in every sculpture. It's, it's the standard of Florida. Oh, yeah. Relax. No, don't take your foot off the gas. Relax is going to make you very soft and pliable. That's not what you want to do. What you need to do is figure
0: out the balance. The balance. That's the hard part, I think. People can't find the balance. But what they don't realize is that in order to find that balance... You got to do some things. You got to make yourself do some things. Like, do I want to go to the gym and work out for an hour and a half every day? No. Do I want to always eat chicken and rice? No. But, like, the thing is, is, like, then once you get to a certain point, you realize that working out, I actually feel better. I'm just – and then you come to a certain point where you feel like, okay, while well, I'm eating. It's just fuel for my body and i don't need junk food i don't need this other stuff like i haven't been to a fast food place in probably 15 years yeah and so like you know you kind of start getting to those points but like you do need to put some of that on you but the hardest part i do believe for most humans is balance Mm -hmm. and finding that balance and you know it's just like they just you constantly are trying to figure it out and financially emotionally everything there's so much that you're trying to figure out and it's like, you know, I mean my, like I, you said, you've been married for almost 30 years. I've been married 28 years this year. And so like, it's not easy. It's, you know, it's not easy. You got to find each other and balance each other out, you know? And that's the thing It's like, you know, you go through some things and it's like, but you know, if it was you know i guess that the thing is is everybody's looking for easy that's why divorce is so big now it's because it's just easier to get divorced sure it's easy to go eat the fast food it's easier to sit on the couch and watch tv and so like you know and that's really part of the reason why i created the podcast because it's people that are hustling people who get out there and do it and show they can do it and so people can listen to this and say you know what I'm not the only one out there that, hey, I want to be a comedian, or hey, I, I've, like I've had actors or business owners or whoever on the show, that they could be like, okay, they've gone through what I'm going through and I can make this work. Yeah, every
1: motivational book from day one, if you can find it, like I, I think that this message is the same and it just has to be repeated. There
0: is no new message. It's just hard work. Yep. It's the same stuff. No matter who you listen to, no matter how many you put it, it's hard work, right? It's always going that's to be it. hard work. There's nothing else no it's no matter how motivated you are it's it's getting up and doing it.
1: actually, what it is if you in to to make it personal for everybody, it's do something that's harder than you usually do. That's it. Are you used to doing like i'll I'll write an aerodyne. I have an aerodyne in the garage, right? And sometimes I'll do the p ninety x or I'll do the insanity still. I'm doing that with my wife. And then I'll also do the bike. Well, I'm already, it already took me that mindset to put on those workout clothes. All right. You know, that's some of the hardest thing is the prior to working out. Oh, do I got to do this? I got to oh, go. I got to drive. I got to put a, you know, whatever it is. You beat all that. Now you're in the gym. <laughs> What's the difference between 30 minutes and 45 minutes?
0: Not much. Not much. At all. Mm hmm. You've already done all the legwork. The hard all the work is setup. getting there. Sometimes, it's it. sometimes it's just the hard work is just getting there. Once you've accomplished
1: that, <laughs> then all you got to do is add to it. So you write some material for comedy, and I'll write, you know, maybe ten minutes worth of stuff, and then I'll say, yeah, you, that came through pretty quick. Give it another hour. What are you going to do right now? By the way, if you're not writing, you're not going out to a job. You're going to go probably make coffee. <laughs> and you're gonna talk to somebody on a phone, okay, so yeah, start cutting out some of the things that are not adding. I don't wanna be obsessive. I got to that point, too, where you know I'm looking at clocks and I'm every 15 minute increments, I'm switching. It's almost like one of those workout clocks. I hear a buzzer, yeah. I move on to the next thing. Okay, jumping rope, okay, aerodyne, okay, boxing. <laughs> and I'm doing that with life. You're not gonna be happy doing that. Mm So I think all people really need to do is say, "I'm used to eating an entire bag of Doritos, watching Love After Lockup." (laughs) What if I cut it to half a bag? That's it. No one's saying stop. Stop the 100. Just figure it out. Slow down. In in construction too. When I when I talk to guys about construction, well, who the hell wants to be in construction? I go, "What do you mean?" Oh, they're digging and it's hot. I go, I never said do it till you're 60. (laughs) I mean, when you're 22 years old, it's probably one of the best things you could do for yourself. You're in shape. Mm -hmm. You're working outside. You're with a crew of guys. You're rubbing up against other people who are a little tougher than you are. Yeah, and it also gives you the edge of saying, okay, I put my time in. And maybe I don't want to dig holes or, or be on my knees until I'm 60. So how, if you love construction, though, What's the next angle? The next angle is, okay, a little risk-taking. Maybe I open my own business. Maybe I build a house. Maybe I hire some subs. And I run the thing. Maybe I move into architecture, engineering. I don't know. But no one said,
0: be a ditch digger your entire life. (laughs) But see, some people are very small-minded like that. And they only think of that. And they're like, well, I don't want to do this. This is not worthless. But they don't realize. You got to start something. You got to start somewhere, right? (laughs) I go backwards. So... I
1: go backwards to this day with even comedy. I'm a headlining stand-up comic. I've been doing it 30 years. I will go to where the open micers are, guys that are brand new, and go into a place with no crowd, four or five people, not a, a uh, organized comedy night. It's more of like anybody can just show up. Open mic night. <laughs> You're just going back to your roots, and there's a purpose to that. It's to remember where you came from, Remember how good you got it. Also test material that you don't want to do on a 300 night. You you got 300 people and you want to do your show. And then I'll hear guys who don't know me or someone who's, oh, wow, you're pretty good. You should do this for a living. (laughs) Now, that would typically rip at the ego of most stand-ups. I've learned to strip that away and go, yeah, I'm just trying some new material. I don't explain anything. If they don't know me, they don't know me. I'm not that famous. I'm not famous at all. It, it, it hurts. <laughs> it hurts. But is it better than doing nothing? Is it better than becoming the person who thinks they're they're too good to go back into a show like that? You know what I, I started realizing? The younger comics were doing. We had very like we had a set of rules. Uh, weird for comics, we had a set of rules. You don't do comedy for thirty people. You shut that show down. Like we used to cancel shows. Now they started doing shows in houses. Yeah, they started doing shows in whatever alt, alt comedy became stand up anywhere, yeah, birthday parties. bowling alley, <laughs> yeah, wherever <laughs> wherever there was a crowd. Basically, yeah. can I get a crowd? You know, um, outside, public. I used to do public shows in Los Angeles, outside. And I realized, yes, that's the true comic that can do that. He don't care. He just wants to entertain. And I've been reading Robin Williams' biography lately, one of his books. Where someone wrote a book about him. And he, even when he was famous, doing Mork and Mindy, he would go and experiment in Central Park and do mime off the cuff and just do improv. It's fearful. It's scary. Most guys can't do it. No, and trying to drum up the audience. When you live in New York City, you got to be. You got to. Sometimes you have to pay your price by being a barker. You have to stand outside the club and try to get people to come in. Um, yeah, I did that. But you're 58. You're old. You you shouldn't be out here. (laughs) That's another hurdle. It's painful. It's so easy to quit. What happens when you quit? give up. Yeah, but what what happens to you? Right. Where do you go? I mean, you're standing there the day you quit. Now what? Isn't it better to stay active, trying still, than absolutely? I mean, quitting, I understand if you're sick or whatever, or you're dead. Why would I quit?
0: But I think it's a mindset that most people don't have. Because if you think about it, there's a lot of people out there and that's kind of like when I talk to people and I and I and I speak in front of people, the mindset of them that is the person that we were talking about that's eating, watching T V, eating the Doritos or whatever, oh. they don't want to go after it. They're 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 it's just they're happy the way life is. Yeah. You know? I'm jealous of them. I, you know, I mean <laughs> I wish I could be sometimes you do wish you could be like that, but I can't. My mind doesn't allow me to be that way. But I think that's a, that's a mindset that most people don't have or they're scared to go after. Yeah. And I don't think they can actually get to that point. And so, you know, it's like, but you hear it and you hear it all the time, especially with like people who do a lot of motivational stuff and that kind of thing is you can't change somebody who doesn't want to be changed. And so we look at it like what's wrong with you, but like at the same time, it's like until they want to make that change. It's the same way when I was, before I started working out, i i hated going to the gym i didn't want to go to the gym and now i love it yeah do now you, do i do love, you it? Really love do, it do i do i love it as much as my wife hell no
1: <laughs> like wait sh- a second sh- do you love it as much as the peanut butter pie from yoder's amish restaurant probably
0: not no hell no you don't right? love it so like that you know the th- you gotta do but, it but i gotta do it right so i mean i do because i like i feel better after i do do it yeah now, like i said like my wife loves it she freaking loves it and she would she would tell you yes, yeah, she loves it better than the peanut butter yeah. pie but for most people no I don't freaking love it like that <laughs> but like you just you do what you have to do to get done because like even though I'm going to be 50 I still want to be active I still you know when I'm in my 70s my 80s and everything else I don't want to be one of these people can't get around
1: your survival is you're trying to survive right survival of the fittest that's what this is Interesting enough, America used to be like that. Now it's survival, but we'll cater to the lowest common denominator. So wh- whatever is the weakest link in the country, still, we can't go past that. We can't expect any more than that. So if you are not pulling your weight, if you're overweight, if you're not getting a job, if you're living on the streets, it's not pulling yourself up by your pants. It's everybody stop. Did you make any extra money or do you have any money? I have an extra? Let's just take some money like I my health care is two thousand a month. I pay for my own health care. Do you?
0: Nah, let's pay through
1: through my company. Okay, so, so. I pay two grand a month. That's a lot of money. that's a lot of money. okay, that's a job. Mm-hmm. that's a house payment. Why do I pay two grand a month? Because I'm subsidizing a lot of people who do not pay for health care. Can I go to their houses? And just see what they're eating, so they don't get sick. Or they are they lifting weights? Are they doing something? Are they helping to contribute to not me paying so much for their health care? No, not allowed to do that. Not allowed to discriminate like that. Not allowed to look at nobody. Not allowed to say those things. Really? But you want me to pay? Now, did you ever read Ayn Rand? Mm-mm. Atlas Shrugged? Mm-mm. Okay. It's a book of a woman that came from, her family came from the Bolshevik Revolution. Pretty much what's going on right now, amazingly. And her family lost everything. Her self-employed father, everything, lost everything, came to this country and loved America because of the values, the freedoms. And she saw the decline of America in the 30s, the 1930s. She started worrying about socialism. So she started talking about how many... How much more longer, how how much longer do we have where people will get taxed to the point of they're actually making no money to pay for the people who don't want to work, who do not want to take care? How long will this go on? How long will companies survive? And in her book, she had four ideal companies, you know, transportation, steel, railroad. You know, she had the big wigs of industry represented as the self-employed. And the book basically comes down to they decide to quit. That's it. They're not supporting anyone. And I think that's possible. If you don't take care of yourself and you expect me to take care of you, if it's what you want. I'm paying for your health. I'm paying for your, you go to the emergency room. I'm paying for all that that you can't pay for. Because I've always been the guy. I grew up traditionally. You take out a loan. You're in the mortgage business, right? Mm-hmm. What happened to everybody in 2008? What happened?
0: Right. They lost it. They lost their homes. They lost, you know. But
1: why? They they should have never had that well, they, house in the first place. Well, That's the problem. Is that, I was offered right. mortgages that I knew I couldn't afford. I said no. But other people said yes, exactly. and they went into foreclosure. And me, who did it right, who had a house that I paid for and made the payment on time and moved up slowly from several houses, live now next door to somebody in foreclosure. So my property devalued, without me doing anything wrong, just by being part of the society that has agreed to give those who couldn't afford the mortgage the mortgage. So, I don't think that's sustainable. I don't think what we're doing is sustainable. And this is not just the economy and politics and fitness, and this is everything. The culture, the entire thing that we're living through right now is not putting people in a position where they're Taking responsibility for themselves. I always say, even with safety, the government builds the crosswalk. It doesn't guarantee you to not get hit by a car. We are still asking you to look both ways. Right, And people are like, why should I have to turn my head?
0: It's because of the way that they think now. They were told. Yep.
1: They were told. No responsibility for your, your victim. Mm-hmm the car, the street, whatever it is. And we've lost, we've lost control of this until a great reset again. And we've had one. And now we have maybe another one. So how do you be funny? How do I tell jokes? If everything that I look at that's happening and then I try to find the comedy in it, which is very difficult, and then someone goes, oh, that's so mean. That joke was, could you think of another, could you stop punching down? That's another one. Did you ever hear that? No. Punching down? You never heard that? Mm-mm. Punching down is if you're bullying someone in a joke. Oh, okay. Right? So yeah. you're saying something against somebody else. The only problem with punching down is I didn't come up with the judgment of who's down. Oh, so you're saying the person I'm making a joke about, you just judge them as a lower class, unequal, they're not having the best time in life. Maybe I thought they were doing okay. I never said they were down. You did. Right. So you can't expect people, oh, well, you're a man and that's a woman. You know how men are. You know what we went through with the man and the me too. And it. You should never do jokes about women. You should never do jokes about black people. You should never do jokes about Indians. You should never do, well, who do we joke about? <laughs> Well, you're not in that. You should, oh, Yeah, you're Italian, so you can joke. But you're not really from Italy, so no. I mean, you can do jokes about... Who are you? Who, who's telling me how to do my jokes, number one? That's got to be tough. It's but impossible. It's impossible. So it's now you hear camera. jokes about cats. And then I did a joke. Here's, here's a joke I did. Publix. Publix. The cost of watermelon. You buy a whole watermelon, it's two ninety nine. $4.99 for a whole watermelon, right? Mm-hmm. You buy a little cut up thing of watermelon, it's $9.99 a pound. Yeah. So I tell my wife, I go, put some sweat equity <laughs> into the watermelon. You got knives. We're not paying for the guy to chop up watermelon. It's a soft fruit. We're not chopping wood here, right? <laughs> I'll cut it. Don't be buying, right? So someone came up to me after a show. I work at Publix. It's not nine ninety nine a pound. I go. Are you shitting me? Are you upset with a watermelon
0: joke? Wow!
1: And that's every show,
0: every show. So we anything coming up? Any kind of now? I don't want to do
1: it after talking to you. I'm done.
0: <laughs> you don't want to do it. I'm anymore. done. I'm done with comedy. <laughs> You're done with comedy. Thirty
1: years of career. <laughs> that's it. Uh, no, I have. I have. Uh, I'm doing what's called the retail contractors association which is a everyone who builds like the big boxes the pet smarts and the home depots they all get together i was booked two years ago and finally the show is now on that's coming up that's going to be in dallas at the Gaylor. i'm doing coconuts comedy club in st pete next month but i don't try to my school right now is in full effect so right now until july tomorrow i got a seminar in clearwater it's all private stuff. So it's not anything that Public I try to, yeah, okay. but nothing except my videos, you know, the it, podcast, all, all of it's under my name, Carmen Surisillo. No one can find it. <laughs> Cause they can't spell your last they name. can't spell my name. <laughs> I'm a, I am not the greatest at, I don't want to change anything. You know, my, the guy that works with me on the, my pod is a millennial. He's 30 years old. So it's good. That we have the balance. He he comes up with something, and that I dispute a little bit. But we usually usually he's vaping and kind of high, so it's <laughs> it's really just a comedy, Got pure you. comedy. We try not to be serious. This is more serious than I've been in a long time. With this, I usually just try to bust balls. But as far as anything coming up,
0: no. Well, I appreciate you coming today. I appreciate you coming out. <laughs> so, thank you, Chris. All right. Yep. So that's it. Cool. Pretty much it, right? Because we're on a time. Yeah, yeah we have are good. One hour. Yeah, so we usually kind awesome. keep them for an hour. Beautiful. So, but I appreciate it. Do an outro. Hmm. Um, no. No, no, no. Oh yeah, I probably should do that. Yeah, just do. A little okay, all right. And three, two, one, go. All right, thanks. All right, thanks everyone for um, checking us out. Make sure you subscribe on our YouTube channel. Watch us on um, Spotify, and we will talk to you guys next time.